True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. Now, you're out there, you have acres and acres, hundreds of acres. All you have to do is water <laughs> okay. and mow, and they'll do the rest. Nope. Weed control, which you hate, fertilization, mm -hmm. aer aeration. Can't stand it. Among others. They'll do all that. So you can do literally anything else. Dana's out there like Yellowstone. You have better things to do in your free time. I know you do. You don't want to focus on lawn care. True green is too good to be true, mm -hmm. is what I'm saying. But it is true. Right, David? Because yeah. you're going to have more time to do yeah, things that you want to focus on. All the hard work and it gets yeah. you to a great lawn. That's what you want. You take care of everything else you got to do in your life. You're very busy. Let True Green take care of this one thing. Get it off your plate. You know what? I do have some space. I want to put some grass down. Some I, I might. This, I'll, I'll, talk, I'll call you later, talk, True Green. Talk to True Green. <laughs> Where can listeners mm -hmm. purchase or learn more? You go to TrueGreen.com. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. Whoa. They offer a satisfaction guaranteed, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. That is such a cool thing. Good job, True Green. You're nailing it. All right, let's tell them about uh, Bill Burr. Bill Burr, great guy to have on. We uh, got to Burr. chat with him for a while. Uh, uh, really funny comic, super cool dude. A guy, my personal experience with him, didn't know him well, but we started uh, voice texting each other during the pandemic, and it was a lot of fun because mm -hmm. he goes, you know what? <laughs> well, you do it better. But, you know, he was just... Oh, go ahead. We were just bitching about stuff, and it was really funny for a guy who I, I wasn't great friends with, but I always thought he was funny and he always mm -hmm. says ballsier shit than I do on stage, uh, which is, you know, that's, I always admire when people can do that. And he's mm -hmm. sort of uncancelable. We talked about that and uh, we just have a lot of laughs. So when we see him one night, we did a show together. I have a picture of us, me, you, him. That's right. And Norm, maybe? That was the night where, yeah, it was us and uh, he followed me and crushed, of course. And he was kind of humble about it. He was, I was just riding the wave you made, you know? Mm. So he's, you know, he has, there's a, a definite alpha power to him on stage, but he's kind of cuddly and he he busts himself all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm a fucking moron. What do I know? I mean, but he is probably one of the top five stand-ups of the last decade. And he fills some big rooms, you know? He's yeah, really... he's a brilliant stand-up. And he does ride that line where he can really comment deeply on things but never cross it. Anyway, it's fun to hang out with. Very just just a cool, cool guy. Um, he does ballsy shit. That, even his SNL monologue, we talked about that. There's stuff where I see him clips on Instagram or whatever. And... Uh, I'm like, wow, like stuff that obviously isn't the general opinion. And he goes the other way with it. And that's harder because it can stop the crowd in its tracks. And then he digs out of it. He gets him to get what he's talking about, get on his side, and he keeps going. It's like, shit. It's, there is that expectation. I mean, when they see you come out, are they thinking your movies? Are they thinking, you know, there's a yeah, They don't know much about the They don't want to get really the stand up. No, edgy, they don't. Right? I, I've no. learned they don't like it too dirty when I'm on the road. They know me from... PG-13 movies and sitcoms, and that's mostly it. They don't know stand-up, and that's how I got started. So right. they don't know what to expect, and 
if it goes too rough, they don't like it, I found. And also, um, I'm not political. So if I got into that out of the blue, I think that would throw people off. So mm -hmm. I just kind of do it. But I do like the stuff I'm doing. I just, I don't really want to be there to have tons of walkouts. <laughs> yeah, I like all flavors. I, would I love to say what I want? But yeah. it's also just fun to try to make them laugh really hard. But for me, it's the whole weight of SNL on it and a few uh, specials. But they... I can feel the whole audience kind of go like that when I go into a voice, an impression or something. Mm -hmm. So I can't complain. What are you going to yeah. do? It's nice. What are you going to do? I wish I, you know, I always, when I was a kid, I, which I think we tell Bill that I, I always thought the East Coast could beat up the West Coast. <laughs> yeah. Like if there's a fight, the East Coast and the West Coast are meeting in Minnesota to fight. <laughs> but I always wanted to be one of these guys. Like if I could talk like this is normal, it already has an aggression alpha male to it. How you doing? Mm -hmm. Give me a fucking cup of water. I asked you two times. What are you going to do? I need a fucking cup of water. I'm not going to ask you again, Paulie. You know, when do you want to be that guy? I like it, yeah, because that, that's always those pushy guys. That When I moved to SNL, I didn't know uh, women have accents too. Because, you know, <laughs> I'm not like super smart, but it just never happened. It was always the guys like, uh, 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 you know. Oh, it was right. like You mean them doing that? And so when Got I it. see girls talk, I go, how you doing? Pretty good guy. I'm like. Is this a, what? Well, it sounds on? aggressive. It's yeah. not sexual when you're with a woman like that. Take down your fucking pants and see what you got. <laughs> Where's the boner I heard about? <laughs> come on. Hey, Barbara, come on. I said drop them. Barbara. <laughs> That's the best part. No, I, I was really taken aback. I'm like, oh. Because I'm from AZ in California. No, everyone has just the most blando. I know. Hello. You know, yeah. How are you? I don't have a voice and I don't have a face. I've said it before. Yeah. I'm not even a human being. Actually, turn off the camera. We look like shit. This is ridiculous. Go wider, Evan. How much wider we or turn it off? Evan no... Futzit is on uh, Futzit. Evan Futzit is on camera today. He's a world-renowned cinematographer, and he goes nice and wide on us. All right, let's get to Bill Burr. I'm We're almost losing him. eighty. Let's get to Bill Burr because yeah. here he is. Okay, Bill Burr. No, 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 no! Please. Bill, you just go out there and you say your truth and you go with it. They know you who you are in the comedy clubs. Nobody knows you, who you are here. <laughs> Is that what he told you? <laughs> that sounds like him. Yeah, he was just, no, but it's great advice. Say hello. Say you're happy to be here. Be nice. Right. Don't go right into the bits. Got it. You're a gruff, no-nonsense comedian. They have no idea who you are, so have a good show. <laughs> <laughs> That's sort of it, right? <laughs> I'm selling out all over the world. No, I, I came on as a host, not a cast member. So I didn't, yeah. whatever happened to you guys didn't happen to me. He was great. <laughs> no, he, he, <laughs> you, he jumped, actually, you came on at the very end as the host, as a, the winner. So, Bill. Uh, Dana, what, you, what is it about you that makes you so great? <laughs> yeah, what's it about you that makes you great, Dana? Because I'm curious. That's a good, that's a great question, Bill. Um, I have a, no fucking clue. I'm just trying to survive on the planet. What's on your mind today? Because you, you're a man of a lot of thoughts. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's kind of a myth. What is on my mind today? I would love a cappuccino. Oh, yeah. And just sit there and watch everybody else driving around going nuts. You know, like yesterday, I actually, I actually had We can time. get you one. Where are you? I actually had time yesterday with a buddy of mine. We went to this, this cigar uh, shop on uh, Larchmont 
Mm-hmm. And it was everything I loved about cigars. It was just a bunch of knucklehead old guys <laughs> sitting out in front of this thing, mm-hmm. breaking each other's balls, just laughing. And at one point where I'm listening to all their stories and, you know, about their families and sports and shit, I'm just watching all these people driving by in traffic. And uh, I don't know. That was just one of those moments like, yeah, this this is actually living. Yeah, yeah, that's this. like that's like real life as opposed to uh, I got to write a new joke. I got to go here. I got to call this guy. I got to do this. The I got to go on this. two famous guys podcasts so they can I know. show off the background of their multi-layered mansions. Yep. I see what you guys are doing. You're building that's a, a brand. Picasso. So, yeah, I'm at a Ramada Inn. I thought I hope you could tell. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? That looks like a mansion no. to me. <laughs> How you landed that. Yeah, stand up on SNL because I watched it again today because I oh, like to do homework. I saw, his, just sort of I saw his it monologue. In. Yep, that was like uh, threading the needle. What would you call that? I mean, you you'd vetted that in the clubs. You knew where all the laughs were, or was how did that feel going out there with a crowd that maybe didn't know you that well with the that whole white women and all that? I you just know. always look at it like I'm not trying to be. I, I, I'm not being malicious. So and then it just. Because mm-hmm. somebody heard it maliciously, that doesn't mean just because you hear it doesn't mean that's like that's how I meant it. And if I tell you that's not how I meant it, like you don't get to overrule my own thoughts. Like it gets to the <laughs> point of like, yeah, I I know what I'm thinking. Yeah. And then also, what is going on on social media in you know in cities like L.A. and New York is not, and not even all of L.A. It's not real. It's just sort of this small group of people running around like chicken little like somebody asked me recently said what's the biggest thing threatening comedy i was like there's nothing threatening comedy Mm. well that's good (laughs) like there's some asteroid coming here with some you know (laughs) comedy hairy-legged feminist feminist on it it's just like i'm always astounded with how not funny people the people that are telling people what's funny and isn't like it's it's, (laughs) it goes back to like the the when i watch sports the amount of just out of shape fat fucks questioning have a great you know? like what yeah. were you doing on that play you should have ran it's like yeah. when was the last time you ever ran other than to a fucking buffet so yeah i mean so, i think that just that's just part of anything that uh that you do i mean presidents have to listen to comedians making fun of them oversimplifying world events i do that all the time like hey why did you just do this you yeah. know mm-hmm. no way yeah, you go to saudi whatsoever. arabia you tell the guy you need oil and you get the oil. And tell yeah. everybody to chill out. <laughs> you, you smack them around. Yeah. If you got to smack them around, you smack them around. I'll be selling my me for, t- me for president t-shirts after my set. Yeah, everybody, every president goes in when they win the first day and they get in a room and someone goes, forget your whole campaign, forget everything. We're starting from scratch right now. This is how it really works. And he's like, oh, okay. What, what, what? There was a kind of a sensitivity to Biden just from someone who does impressions initially, right? The first three months, you start to go into it, depending where you were, and the audience get quiet. They wouldn't boo. They just get quiet. Because I think it was sort of, uh, he was supposed to be the grandfather of the country and calm us all down. You know, this was like in April of 2021. I don't think that's well, who he was. I think he they, they, people wanted no. a- anybody but Trump. So they picked a warmonger with dementia. <laughs> right. And if you yeah. ding the demented war guy, if you ding him, you're making the orange Hitler happy. So you don't want to make the orange Hitler happy. So you can't ding the demented guy. It's a vice. I think we know, can. We- bo- I think both sides can agree 
Our latest two <laughs> representations have been the worst representations. So. Can a brother get a JFK? Can we get a 45-year-old horny guy who can really speak, Go talk, Go back and to walk? the horny guys. Well, I mean, just yeah. somebody with some, you know, something. But Did David yeah. really just apply chapstick during this podcast? Did that just happen? No, Bill. I it's, I, called, I I it's called Viagra, and I put it on my lips, and that travels down to my oh. rock-hard boner. Sorry. Well, that's... <laughs> Do you ever hang out with your? Uh, you ever hang out with someone and they're telling a story and they compliment their dick? They go, "So I'm with this girl, right? And I've got this huge heart on." Like, Says who? That's what I, I was trying to do. Too much information. I don't want to. Know I will about say anyone. though, I always thought a rager was funny. You know, raging boner. I, I got a raging heart. <laughs> just a rager, yeah. I got yeah, a rager. Like, and you're just at a, a restaurant with a guy? I got a rager on. You're at, yeah, it just comes rager's up. Rager's uh, funny to me because you know no logical no logical decision is going to make. Once it's a rager, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's driving the ship. It's kind of angry. Yeah. Yeah, when I was a kid, <laughs> I had a raging rod like 24-7. And I remember just staring at girls in class just going, I can't think of school. I can't think of anything. Like it's too, it's, it's wrong. I shouldn't have this. It's not, it's unfair because the girls couldn't give a fat fuck about me. So they're just like studying and look, I'm like, how are you looking at literature? That was one of my classes. And what was your nickname again, David? In there's a couple. School? There was uh shrimp, Chips. shrimp cocktail, shrimp cocktail. Um, there was uh <laughs> sprout, which was horrible because it was based on the jolly green giant and his little green sprout. Remember that? And that fucker? was the name of him. Oh, okay. Remember that? That was brutal. Were you big in high school, Bill? I mean, were you you a small guy or were you average? High I school, was. Pilper? I was. A, I was a face in the crowd. I wasn't mm. cool. <laughs> I wasn't a nerd. I was just there. A face in the crowd. Were it. you? Did you do any athletics at all? Um, I got a D in math in fifth grade, and <laughs> my dad pulled everybody out of sports. Because I think he oh, just didn't oh. want to go because he was antisocial. <laughs> and then I remember after high school, he said to me, he goes, how come you never played football? I was like, I thought you didn't want me to. He goes, no. Which is complete <laughs> horse shit because I did <laughs> play football. He felt I bad, did yeah. play football. And all mm -hmm. he talked, he screamed and yelled about how I was knocking what little brains I had out of my head. He kind of saw CTE <laughs> before anybody else, I guess. So there was that, but I mm. played like baseball. I played like pond hockey and stuff. I played a lot of, I played a lot of sports, but not organized. So like mm -hmm. we used to have this great game every Friday, um, of, of tack, just a tackle football game in the outfield of some, um, little baseball field, minor league baseball field there for the kids. And, and, and we would just tell the stories and make everybody laugh on Monday. I remember. And then <clears throat> word kind of got out about the game. And then the more popular athletes started playing. And then like all of my regular friends just like tapped out and they stopped going because the competition got too high, <laughs> I think. And, and it was only like me and like two other guys stuck around to get our asses kicked. Uh, but it was more it was more like that. But I, I was definitely a, uh, you know, I wasn't a nerd, but I, I was not I wasn't part of the cool kids. I was, you know, I was right in the middle. Nerd is at least some you know, moniker of just being a face in the crowd is almost worse. Just you're part of nothing. Oh yeah. If I didn't do what I did for a living, everyone would have forgot about me. <laughs> <laughs> By now they would have forgot long ago. Yeah. What was that? I, what was I, that orange kid's name? You know, I, <laughs> uh, right. Patrick total ginger. I have a poster of me and, uh, I have this picture of me, Bill Burr 
Dana and Norm. Do you remember that night? Mm-hmm. I have that I, right on my wall. Oh, right I sent that to you, right? I have one I sent too. Uh, to you guys. Yeah, I've yeah. got it here somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Dana's is in the garage, but mine's up. And uh, that was a fun night. I think it was my night where I got to pick people to go on at the comedy store. Just like a stupid night. Like, do you want to have your own night? You pay your friends nothing, and then you keep a little scratch from the door. I'm like, that sounds fun. So uh, we went, and Norm, I can't even remember anything about that night with Norm. Do you remember anything? That was a fun show, though. I do. I remember that was like a make-a-wish for me, because it was like three of my most favorite comedians and, and, and guys from SNL on Love that it. show. And uh, I was just sitting there going, I can't believe these guys even know who I am or would want me to come down there. And I, I remember Nor- Norm was, as always, holding court. Yeah. Yes. In, a, in the most quiet, slowly, like, it, usually if somebody's holding court, they're loud and boisterous. Yeah. And he yeah. just is sort of like really still. Us. And he would just get that look on his face. And you're like, oh, he's I hope, got this, something isn't coming. A- hope yeah. this isn't aimed at me. No, he, w- he, he took up a lot of space. He was sneakily a pretty big guy. And he was on laying back on the couch, like laying way back. Yep. Backstage he was kind of big. The comedy yeah, store. Big. And you're right. It's so laissez-faire. Like, yeah. Hey, there's this guy, you know, shot his wife, right? And and you just lean in because usually it's something <laughs> kind of brilliant or bizarre. I mean, he had an irresistible rhythm. Sweet Norm. We do yeah. Norm yeah, because it's... we miss Norm. We don't feel it's... It, it, we've... No, everyone knows that. We think Norm's hysterical. Even if we say something he did that's crazy, it's still out of uh, good thoughts. It's I like, like when, you guys, when you guys do with those other stories because it humanizes them. Because it's yeah. like, oh, he could he could be a he could be a dick. Everybody at some point is a dick to their friends. Sure, sure. <laughs> well, he- I was mad at him during COVID because he kept saying, "David, let's go to dinner." And then I go, "All right, how about Friday?" He goes, "What?" I go, "How about Friday?" He goes, "What about COVID?" I go, "Well, Norm, just come to my house then. You sit twenty <laughs> feet away from me." No, we can't. And then he doesn't drive. Everything about him was a total fucking. Norm asshole. was a a raconteur. He was. Um, <laughs> He was a flim flam man, you know, he would just, but I, I would just start laughing every time he would say something that was a couch message toward me. Like he would point out the worst part of my act, the most clined, helpless, kind of begging for a laugh, stupid impression. And he go, yeah, you should do more of that guy. You know, that's really funny. <laughs> and I knew he was fucking with me. So, but I, it, it was just, uh, he was a charming, uh, yeah, actually. There's a lot of gold in there. <laughs> yeah, it's really good when you do Richard Nixon, right? A lot of people remember him, right? Yeah, yeah. more of Richard Nixon. <laughs> That'll make your act. I did Dennis Miller's <laughs> show in the old days, Bill. You were just a little toddler. Dennis is a another brilliant guy. Yeah. And I was, Dennis Miller had a few iterations of his show, and it was like a you know talk show. So I, I don't even remember. Me and Norm were on there, and I see this clip a lot. So Norm's on. I'm the second guest. So I guess I was already on or we were on together. And he's telling Dennis this long story about, about I guess, I thought it was boner pills or something that can't get boners. And he goes, and then they always have these commercials like, hey, do you need a rod? Do you have to get your dick hard? And I'm like, why are they sending it to me? This, this commercial is for guys like Spade over here. <laughs> but actually it was it was it was and i was gay in the in the story so at the end he says that and dennis goes oh, we're both like you went all that way just to end with fucking ripping me and then it got a huge laugh when he ripped me and then they went to a commercial i go god damn norm yeah but, but it's kind of fun to be a part of that it. was just norm yeah yeah i saw that i saw that clip
David, whether you have a few weeks old puppy or a senior who's seen multiple decades, any dog person like me knows the most valuable thing in the world is spending time with your pet. Yep. The farmer's dog makes it easy to keep them healthy, which can give you more quality years with your lovely dog. Yeah, well, I've heard farmer's dog makes and delivers fresh, healthy dog food. And, you know, that's what everyone's looking for. It's recommended by vets, nutritionally balanced. Uh, it's made from human-grade ingredients. Safe, clean kitchens, all that stuff matters. Yeah. I mean, you love your dog. Why Why get the lousy food for your dog? Farmer's dog is the best. Traditional dry and wet dog food options are extremely processed. Sometimes dogs- much lower quality. Yeah. <laughs> you, you put it in their bowl and they go, what is this kibble? And they knock it away. What is this canned goo? Oh, yeah. I've had our dog, yeah, look at the bowl yeah. and then kind of crank its neck up and look at me. And it was like, Really? They go, really? Why don't you go first? You want a bite of this? Slop. <laughs> and it makes that sound. Here you go, dog. Mm -hmm. So Farmer's Dog isn't just no. higher quality food. They also send the food pre-portioned specifically for your dog based on their unique nutritional needs. It makes it easy to help your dog reach and stay at their ideal weight, David. And it's just one of the biggest indicators of a full, healthy life. A fresh diet has been found to have all sorts of benefits, David, from healthier coat mm -hmm. and skin, better breath, you want to kiss your dog, and even easier digestion and smaller and better poops. Let's look at a clip. It doesn't <laughs> matter if your dog's young or old, it's always the right time to invest in their health for more happy years with your dog. Get 50% off your first box at Farmer's Dog. Dot com slash fly. Let the farmer's dog know we sent you. Use your code or click podcast after you sign up for your first box. I think, first of all, I might have introduced Dana to Bill backstage at the store once. I think Dana and I came in. Yeah. And I said, oh, Bill Burr's here. Uh, you want to meet him? And we went back and said hi to you. And you were, Bill, were great. And then Bill and I used to also leave each other, which I kind of miss, those text voice messages and uh, when you're going to do that with Bill, you know, they're the fucking funniest. Just no matter what he's saying, it's just funny to me. So we would rag on different people. We won't say who, but we'd rag on people and it was hysterical. So then, you know, that was, our, really that was our, our COVID. That was how <laughs> yeah, we got through right. COVID. It we just left COVID. each other voicemail. And then in the end, we would always say, we got to go get dinner sometime. Because <laughs> we, we never did. Allowed. And then I <laughs> we weren't allowed, but... I could handle dinner with you, and we could drag Dana if we want. I'm a homebody, but, but I will. I will come out. I we had all had dinner together. Who else was there? It was Kyle Dunnigan and Nikki, yeah. Nikki Glazer and at Coy. Bill. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't at that one. Oh, you were at the one just three of us later. Did you go right. to any Bill? Did we go to dinner? Yeah, back in the back no. room. Yeah, the back room. Like Lovitz oh, yeah. or somebody else was there. I can't remember yeah. who. Hello. We were technically breaking the law, or I think we went. It was like a speakeasy back there. It was a special COVID room. We had our masks off. Yeah, yeah. I had, I had a, dinner. Uh, I had dinner with Lovitz the other night. Oh, you did? Uh, yeah. Was it? Did you just run into him, or was it planned? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it was totally planned, and uh, yeah, he just shit on me the entire time we were Bill. hanging out. It was just, it was nice, awesome. Funny. So, Bill, yeah, how he, are you? Are you making like a billion? dollars yeah <laughs> stuff like that here's something that could help your act <laughs> oh yeah he's always got a lot of act ideas he, he no told... it's not ideas he's just trashing me oh he's just trashing you he tells me you know what you should do and this would help everything and then he gives me a horrible idea uh 
I'm looking at this, by the way, <laughs> Dana. You know the Wilbur Theater in, in in Boston, which I think I've played. You've played. I played it. I shot a goofy special there. A, oh, you did. Yeah. Now, but Bill, do you know what I'm place. about to say? I don't want to give Bill any compliments. I promised myself I wouldn't. It's a compliment but, alert. Yeah, he has done 19 <laughs> shows in a row there. 19 in and a row. John Mulaney did 20. Oh, so he did? Just I'm to fuck you? I'm a has-been. Oh, what a joke Mulaney. Oh, wow. So that throwdown, that's the gauntlet. 21's the new standard. It's like the, being the world champion. Yeah, and here's the thing. I'm from I'm from Massachusetts. Yeah. Mulaney's from Chicago. So what he did was not only one more, it was also more impressive. So you can take that compliment, Danny. You can no. send it right over to John Mulaney. John Mulaney's no, so big I don't know. now that he played Nebraska. They set up a stage in the corner of the state, <laughs> and they just the whole state stood up, and they had loudspeakers. So he's, um, he's doing he's, 50, city, 50 states, one state each, the whole but state. But who's comes. the guy, who's the motherfucker <laughs> who sold out Fenway Park? Who the fuck was that? That's 35,000 seats. Who was? How the, do you even do it? What do you do? <laughs> When you go there, do you have any local bits? Like I was over here on Apollo Boulevard and everyone's like, fuck yeah, guy. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of that talking about. Drinking <laughs> that was a lot of, yeah. So that was just a month, two and... months ago, right? Yeah. You sold out Fenway Park. Yeah, that was. Uh... Was it during a game and you came out at half? Or what happened? Or was it just. For was you? it a bucket ticket? It was. Kind of, it was. <laughs> it, was <laughs> it was kind of perfect. It was like a perfect night for baseball. And it turned out to be for comedy, too. And everybody came out for the comedy. And it was like playing a giant comedy club. I can't explain it. It was. Okay. I can't imagine. I, I didn't have to speed up or slow down or adjust. It just was me telling jokes and them laughing. And. Uh, Every once in a while, I would just sort of look in the crowd and just at the back of it, I just, you know, above home plate, it said Fenway Park. I could I still can't believe. Where were you? Where was the stage? Second base or, or a pitcher's mound? Where was that little stage they had you in? It was, yeah, out, no, it was out in the center field. Center field. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Center field. So how they see it is everybody sits on the outfield. They, they keep oh, the okay. end field. Yeah, that makes you feel better, Dana. Oh, it's, it's not 35,000. Oh, yeah, you know, that's probably about eight I just got to get yeah. a pin. I want to cross that out. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, and then the all this, this, the stands were filled up. Uh, there was a few scattered singles left or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, that's just a product of the Internet, how that ended up happening. Because the Internet destroyed the music industry, and I just feel like it created a vacuum and something else had to fill it. And I think the way uh oh interesting well just the way comedians are where because once people hear our jokes we have to come up with something new again you can't tell the same mm -hmm. joke again everybody on the internet's just like oh my god i saw that clip a week ago blah, blah, blah. so like the way that we have to keep going and the way people on the internet just want to keep seeing something new, new what's stuff, the new yeah. latest thing we, it just sort of meshed because it doesn't make sense um, it doesn't make sense it wasn't like this it was steve martin was playing big arenas when I grew up and maybe the blues brothers did a couple. And I can't even think of just comics that were maybe George Carlin. It was Carlin but, Cosby. Yeah. Cosby. Um, Steve for a while. Um, Robin was, was really big. Oh, yeah. I don't Robin. know. Yeah. I don't know if Robin played stadiums, but, but I'm thinking like 3000 dice clay. Like dice clay was a guy. Dice, yeah, dice got dice, really dice, big. Yeah. Dice was the first guy to do the arenas before yep. Steve Martin. And then Dane cook started, Yes, the, the new, the new thing where 
he kind of showed people how to brand themselves on uh, social media and be directly linked with your fans and build yeah. a fan base. I still think you have to be, you got to be at some level compelling. You can't just yeah. go on the internet and just be like, Hey, sure. you know, I want, I want some <laughs> fans. Yeah, so, yeah. But we talked to a lot of people on this podcast who have leaped to Madison square garden, like John Mulaney and Bert Kreisner is doing 10,000 seaters. He could, he's huge in Germany and Australia. It's just this new, this new thing of uh, we're podcasting and Netflix specials. It seems like, Segura. So many people not doing like 3,000 seat theaters like you'd think they'd be doing there or 6,000 seat theaters, but up to sheds and yeah. mini arenas. So anyway, it's fascinating. You're one of them. You're one uh, of them. Oh, yeah. And I'm fucking You're one of safe. only like 100 that do it. I know. And I'm saving the money, too, because I, I know this is a real estate bubble. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I'm saving but the I money. I, but I, I don't see people getting tired of laughing, though. That's another thing, too. It's not like... Uh, you know, I think the thing that probably takes you out is if you stop going to the comedy clubs as as a performer, because then then you start aging in dog years. And there's something about going down there, not like you, you have to pretend like you're young. You still act your age, but just being around young, you just sort of absorb how to how to still be a 54 year old guy like me, but be relevant where uh, mm-hmm. I remember, you know, when I was coming up with the, the Holy Grail was not. Anybody going to Madison Square Garden, it was getting a sitcom that made it to syndication. Yeah. And I remember 100%. seeing, yep. I saw a good three or four of those guys come out of those eight year, nine year, seven year mm-hmm. runs on a show and go back to a comedy club with their act from seven years ago and just, <laughs> oh, just I feel attacked. Eat, eat a dick. <laughs> yeah, that was me. One that of was them me. was definitely David Spade. Like, Dana, <laughs> I did, did I, Dana, did I ever tell you how disappointed I was the first time I ever saw David Spade? No, let's hear that story. Oh, it was just all (laughs) attitude. There was no punchlines. No jokes. Just like, yeah, I'm on TV. He had a seashell necklace. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, it was just terrible. (laughs) It is terrible. Actually, the first time I saw Dana, he was he was on a payphone outside of this. How long goes payphone outside (laughs) the uh, the improv on Melrose, and he had a hat on, you know, because he was on Mm -hmm. SNL at the time. Or maybe he was, yeah, I think he was doing the movie. Just shoot me or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I just remember thinking like, holy shit, that's fucking David Spade. Yeah. The big moment. Then I got to know him. I was like, oh, this this fucking idiot. He has been part of the comedy landscape. David has for 40 years. It's unbelievable. Uh, Let's not round it up. You fuck. (laughs) For 62 years. Like late 80s was that young comedians special with. Yeah. Did you see that? I loved it. Oh, it was you, Schneider, mm-hmm. Jan Karam, mm-hmm. uh, Drake Sather. Drake was mm-hmm. great, yeah. Fred oh, Stoller. Yeah. Fred Stoller. Oh, you uh, bastards. Warren, I'll take you all down Warren with Thomas. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, ba- oh, Freddie Stoller. Was it Warren Hutchinson? Great. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Pa- passed away soon after. You know, I will tell you that special, what I remember is I wasn't supposed to be on it. No I, I, war. No more. Oh yeah, what? that's what? YouTube bit. Oh yeah, yeah. No. I remember all that I shit. I don't know what you're saying, dude. I I, I, don't, I don't even know which one of you guys is singing. I'm supposed to read your lips. <laughs> yeah. Those were I. You know, I stumbled into some good jokes starting out because I didn't have a lot to compare it to when I was in Arizona, and so I I couldn't really copy everyone because I wasn't. I didn't know what was going on when I first went on. This sounds crazy, but it was just a comedy club, and I decided to be fun to go do comedy. And I was telling the guy before me some stuff from a Billy Crystal album I was going to do. And he goes, 
yeah, I wouldn't do that. And I go, why? And he go, they go, they want you to just make up your own stuff. I go, oh, well, that's fucking, who does that? Like, that's way harder. <laughs> I just thought I was such a performer. I go, I could do this because I memorized it. It was so dumb, but I didn't know anything. I was 19. And then, uh, so I did Billy Crystal's act for the first four years. And then, uh, no, I didn't. But I, I did get stopped, luckily, because I would have done, it wouldn't have killed me because it's like a dumb club, but I didn't know anything. So then you get older and you try to do better. But I don't even know where this is heading. I have no idea. I think you're more experimental and then you kind of learn how to do it and you get more, yeah. you know, sounding like a comedian. Then you try to get away from that. That's special. Did you ever audition for those? Because they had them for a while on HBO. And that was sort of the only game in town in, in L.A., we would do it, and then every year it would come around, and you try to get, if you had an agent or a showcase of the improv, to get your young comedian special. And then uh, I, they said next year will probably be your year. I did it three times, didn't get on. And that one, they picked five, and they said, shit, you were sick, sorry. And I was like, oh, my God. Mm. And luckily my management was somehow producing that year only, and then Dennis Miller was the host, and they both said, Squeeze one more asshole in there. Who cares? Just and Dennis Miller championed yeah. David. Yeah, Dennis. Dennis helped me get on that, and then we did it. And then Warren, I remember, I thought it was so ballsy because he was a crowd work guy, and he was doing crowd work on the special. Uh, and they they couldn't use all of it because it's like this guy, where'd you eat tonight? You know, some nights that's really hit or miss. Some night it kills, and right. that that night it wasn't killing. And in my head, I was just going over my six minutes every night going, how would you do just the gamble of getting on this thing and, and doing crowd work? He did pretty good, but overall, the uh, you know, it came on and Rob and I got SNL off of that for sure. I've always hated crowd work, forced crowd work. Like if you yeah, go up there and something a, yeah. happens and, and, and you interact, yeah. that's cool. But to just go up there and do that, like I just feel like, the crowd always like, no matter what you say to them, they like lose their mind. Like, oh my God, how did he just come off the top yeah. of his head to tell me to go fuck myself? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I always just thought it was, you know, I felt I felt that way, and then I also thought like uh, doing jokes about sex, unless you had a really specific story. Mm -hmm. Because you know, because I did both of those things. I played with the crowd, and I also had like sex stories, and it was just like. Yeah, I remember being on stage, like, as the crowd was laughing, it's like, it's not that funny. Yeah, you, just, you even <laughs> telling the crowd it's not that funny. Like, settle down, settle down. It's like, everybody, everybody laughs at a dick joke. So, um, and then I also noticed, you know, when I was on the road, a lot of the, uh, the road dogs, like, when you were wondering when they were going to wrap up their set was uh, when they started talking about sex. It's like, all right, he's working towards his closer. Uh, <laughs> and once they started talking about sex, they never went anywhere else mm -hmm. because hard, nothing hard could follow. follow it. Yeah. yeah. You know, have you ever seen a guy at the store or you're at the improv and they do uh, to the audience at home when you get the light as a comic, let's say you're doing 20 minutes to give you the light at 17 or 18 minutes, meaning if you don't know where you are, you've only got three minutes left. So you see comics do that and then they do another chunk, then another chunk and you're waiting to go on and then they have the balls to go. So what else is going on? You have to be off yeah. five minutes ago. Yeah. What else is going on is the fucking light came on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you do know. it at the beginning <laughs> and don't milk it. You're supposed to walk off. You're trying to stay on now. Oh, Bill, Bill in your uh, early, 
early days and stuff, did you have auditions either for a manager, an agent, TV show, or stand up oh, yeah. where where it didn't go so well? Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Look, we hear we hear one of those because you're so confident on stage the, the, in these the last first ten 15 years. Fifteen years of my career. I yeah. remember. They, I remember. Uh, I finally killed on one of them. One of those awful showcases, and the lady was, and and some big woman agent. My manager at the time asked, "What you think?" She's like, "He's funny, but he has a weird look," and I knew what that meant. It meant he's a he's a redhead. He's a ginger. It was like a rule. Like it's like wow. He he's like the friend. What am I going to do with this? He's not getting the girl. He doesn't get the gun. You know, it it was uh. like uh, all right. Well, if we need another Ralph Malf, I guess I found the guy. <laughs> so there was a lot of. Uh, a lot of that. There was, uh, Ralph. I don't remember. It was so long ago, but Jesus Christ. I mean, I was a terrible actor and I, I would go in, I would make these big, dumb choices and I would bring props in and all. I like, just desperate, just desperation. <laughs> I did props. Uh, yeah. When, um, what turned it? When did you like get your style and start to kick ass? I mean, how many years in did you become Bill Burr? Like, like 15 years? Uh, yeah. 17. Yeah, and then all a of a sudden, seventeen-year overnight success. No, I think I I did that half hour for HBO, and that got me a little momentum. And then, uh, yeah, I just had to keep doing specials. Is with each special, I got a little more credibility, and it was, um, you know, I I kind of had to go the long way around. But I was happy. Like I didn't really start making good money until my forties. But like, I feel like that's a better route to take than to be like david spade and be like you know like the mm -hmm. leaf garrett at comedy right. 20 you know? 21 he was in a movie yeah 21 i, be, I being on being on the cover of dynamite magazine remember that <laughs> if i wish yeah <laughs> i wanted um, to I be on the cover just, of anything did somebody just knock oh get the no, fuck out cappuccino yes it's fucking here what's with get cappuccino you. You know what Can you just drink coffee? Deal with cappuccino. Sorry, Thank you so you. much. You gotta have Beautiful. Fucking foam on your coffee. What the Get fuck? Some, is just that drink about? coffee. Fuck what you. is this guy? Got a little sugar in his tank? <laughs> Jesus! Now we're gonna get full Bill Burr now with the yeah. caffeine. You know, now, now that people now realize that being homophobic is is a uh, is a stupid thing to do. Like mm -hmm. I don't think they'll ever understand. Just the the littlest of behavior that would just get you gay bashed, even as oh. a straight person. Anything, oh. anything. If you if you picked up a coffee cup, if your pinky was out a little bit. Oh over. yeah. Whoa. The, si whoa. the size of what David was just drinking out of. Forget you. about it. Over. <laughs> they would even make fun that I'm putting lipstick on. Oh yeah, you couldn't possibly do. That. <laughs> yeah, that is. That's, I just that's like it. how you're doing that with with while having the audacity to have a nice Burt Reynolds mustache. I got a cool beard. God, it's oh, great. It's so sickening. I, I, I like it. It's see-through, dude. I don't know mm. what to do. It's very Dwayne Allman or Greg Allman, I'd say. I know. I get compared to people that are horrendous, and that's, that, you know, it's fine. Eat but I peach. like Skinner. No, I ain't no angel. Looking to save on delivery? Dash Pass from DoorDash is your door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Dash Pass is an exclusive membership with DoorDash that gets you unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders and members-only deals and discounts. Whether it's food from your favorite restaurants, grocery from across town, or anything in between, 
DashPass is the most affordable way to get everything you need delivered right to your door. With $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on eligible orders, DashPass makes it easy to save at restaurants, grocery stores, and all your local favorites on DoorDash. DashPass pays for itself in two orders on average. Plus, DashPass gives you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, all for $9.99 a month. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Buying someone jewelry is usually a great experience all around. To get a beautiful gift, Mm -hmm. you get the unforgettable moment of seeing the look on their face when they open it. The tricky part, Dana, as you know, figuring out how to get the perfect piece at the best price. I hate to say it. Price matters. I mean, that's why I recommend for any jewelry purchase, you source it from BlueNile.com. They've been with us for a while. Yeah. Blue Nile offers thousands of independently graded diamonds, David. And find jewelry at prices significantly below traditional retail. They also offer peace of mind with every purchase. Some of their highest quality stand. They have some of the highest quality standards in the industry, right? And David, whether you want to make a classic statement by gifting a white gold tennis bracelet mm-hmm. <laughs> to Sarah Sherman, or <laughs> or, or bring out, or bring out her eyes with sapphire and diamond hoop earrings, Blue Nile's jewelry experts can help you find the perfect gift. David, they're available twenty four seven by phone or chat to answer technical questions. Like, should I make it a diamond cut or a circle? <laughs> Those are the technical questions. <laughs> I know. Uh, oval. They fit your budget. They'll make sure what you want, they can fit in your budget. Yes. It's very difficult to buy jewelry for someone because, um, you know, it's it's a subjective thing. And the, you'll be guided with the, this company is going to help you make the right choice. You give right. them a little information and they'll go. Sapphire. It's hard to roll down to your local strip mall and go, yeah, we're a jewelry store and we sell trucker hats. It's like, that's yeah. not what you want. Or sometimes they have a small jewelry kiosk inside a Denny's restaurant and it's like <laughs> they're flipping hot cakes and I'm trying to find my loved ones. Yeah. So, yeah. No, thank you. You can feel great about your purchase because Blue Nile also offers a diamond price match guarantee. Oh, that's nice. So you can't lose. No, mm-hmm. just in case you got 30 day returns mm-hmm. shop blue now today and experience the ease and convenience of the original online jeweler go to blue today that's blue listen <laughs> i i'm gonna give bill not a compliment i'm gonna ask him a question okay um, <laughs> when you were on <laughs> sick of complimenting we can give him a compliment no he's well, done yeah but maybe not it's gone yet. too far yeah uh when you go to snl because again, you skipped our brutal like crybaby shit about how we were there and we were ignored by Lauren. But you just went in as a host, so you're the jolly good fellow. Do you? <laughs> because you're a great writer. Do you write sketches or do you just say I've got a? Do you start the week and go? I'll do my own monologue. I'll worry about that. But you guys write me sketches, or do you say I want to help write a sketch or anything like that? Well, I've only done the show once, so I came in there and whatever they wanted to do, I was cool with. And fortunately they had really funny ideas and yeah. I love the ones that they picked. And it was just like, you know, writing stand up comedy and then writing sketch is two completely 
completely different things. I've learned that yeah. the hard way. I found that um, out too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the, yeah, it's two completely different things. So I just was, you know, I got some good advice from people. Like they would come in, all you got to do, you know what? Oh, Chris Rock hosted the week before. And I, when I was in town early enough that I got to watch him do his show. And he told me afterwards, he goes, it's just, just go out and kill the monologue. That's what you have to do. Kill the monologue. And then you're going to be working with these, these sketch actors and they're going to, they're going to, Probably, as long yeah. as you, long, yeah, as long as you, uh, Pete Davidson helped me out too. You know, as long as you're cool, as long as you're a cool guy, mm. everyone's going to help you out. If if you're being a dick, then that's the treatment you're going to get. So I pretended yeah. I was nice, David. Yeah, for a, that's what uh, I. That's did. tough for six days or however long it was. <laughs> uh, you had to bluff them, uh, but yeah, you're right. When you got when everybody's good there and everybody, you realize later wants you to do good. It makes them do good, look good. So you put your trust in some. Some comics would come in and say. Like even dice, but you know, I understand back then they go, I got my own writers and uh, I know what you guys are going to try to make me do, but we want to do funny stuff. And already it's like antagonistic. And you I was going to uh, say, that's a, that's a fun way to enter. Yeah, that's, and that doesn't go well because, mm-hmm. it, you know, I got hired as a writer mostly and you're hiring a guy because I've got a decent stand up act, basically 25 minutes, but I'm supposed to write sketches, which is a whole 180. I mean, I, I did think I had some funny bones to me, but it took so long to figure out how to write a sketch. It's just a whole different ballgame. Yeah. And, uh, and then I like I like the one I was just thinking I saw one where you were a sports guy and you were and you and the Bears beat the you know, you're to, to explain it at home. Two sports guys, Keenan is one, African American female is the host. You're the guy saying hey, my my team beat the shit out of your team. And then <laughs> what happened was an African-American kid was shot the night before and no one saw the game except you because you're white and you didn't see. And I'm thinking, <laughs> well, I guess Taylor Swift isn't doing this sketch, but I was thinking this is the one Bill would say, give me that one. Or they would write for you and say, someone will come along and do this. And it's interesting that they give you stuff like that. Cause it probably is more exciting. To well, do what's something. funny is, is the people that you're going to are going to get offended by that are actually white people. Yeah. who get offended for black people. It's just like, you're not, and I don't, I don't, it's, I, I feel like the white people that are like that, it's because they have such little interaction, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, with anybody else. So they don't understand like where or what is funny or what, as long as you're not mm-hmm. being malicious. Sure. And the, and then the fact that there's, there's two black people in the sketch, you got to think that what you're doing, they're cool with. <laughs> Like they've never heard funny. the sketch until you're doing it. They're like, wait, yeah. what are we doing? But they'll come yeah. out. Oh my God, my heart breaks for Keenan in this sketch, <laughs> you know, and they'll have yeah. their, B, their BLM sign in their window, which is my favorite, like laziest white. I'm helping you out thing. ever. <laughs> I got you, you write BLM on a piece of copier paper and you put it in your window and you're like, and back to my life. And that's fixed. Yes, there's no, I've the, done my part. I am yeah. a, a, a warrior. I'm an ally. <laughs> yeah, because some of those sketches, I mean, obviously it's great. You you know, everyone there, you got good writing. And sketches are uh, good writing. And when you do a good writing, it, uh, you'd hope it's harder to be offended. And especially everyone's in on it. Um, and your stand-up, I do stand-up and I, you know, every comic's like, or people ask me, oh, we think you're going to get canceled. You were talking about this or in your special, you talked about pedophiles and this and that. And I go, it's all where it's coming from. If you are angry at another race and yelling and screaming, 
that <laughs> is racism. If you're doing jokes or about this or that, everything's coming from a funny place or I think this is funny. There's no hate here. Whatever I'm doing about any subject, I'm coming to make you laugh. It's so weird when they get so mad about it. I, yeah, I, I kind of hear of what you're saying. It's, it's not a lot of people. It's just, 2%. That, it's yeah. just that this business acted like 2% was 98% because yeah, they true. listened to their corporate lawyers. Cause you know, I have empathy for people that are, are, are in the industry because if we, if we, if we do stuff and it flops, we got our stand up, we got a podcast, whatever. I just, just talked to somebody about this. If they do something and it flops, yeah. then they lose their job. And they're like, I don't have health insurance. I got this mm. nut I got to pay and my kids in school and shit. So they have to be way more, conservative and i think it's a lot easier for us to be like hey man why don't you fucking let me create here you know but mm -hmm. let me let <laughs> put your career well, in yes. the balance and the trajectory was someone's offensive or starts to get canceled for me i just wait and i go okay what are the corporations going to do you have the mm -hmm. mob on twitter but okay that's a corporate dropping dropping then it's the agency drops them yeah and that's that's how it goes. And then you are sort of on the outs for a while. But it's really up to the agency manager and the corporations. Yeah. And Who's they they don't up? need the headache at a certain point. They don't want to be, you know. Well, you don't get you don't get canceled as much. Like it's like you can't go book a gig. You get sort of sent back in time in your career. <laughs> yeah, you have to go back in line and and have a time yeah. before you can get back. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, but so. I've just I've just sort of acted like none of that was happening. It's been my formula on how to get through this perceived difficult time. It's just, you know, there was a lot of bad shit happening that needed to be addressed. And like most of the time, you know, when the cork flies off the bottle, there's an over a correction or whatever. And mm -hmm. I think it's starting to go back a, a, a little bit. And uh, we'll, I don't, we'll see. I, I don't buy into like certain people like that, you know, that they should never work again. It's like, all right, if you do some Weinstein shit, I understand that. But other right. stuff, it's just like there's people get no, paroled totally. out of jail every day and are allowed to put their fucking lives back together. So, yeah, yeah. especially I, when there there's no uh, court case, there, there's no due process, there's no hearing that you can't cancel. Someone you're part of the life. problem, Dana. Yeah, I are. know. I I've judge everyone that. that I see and they should be canceled. I mean, um, I, I don't but I, I don't even think that that it doesn't. I think they've ran out of people. <laughs> it's, I think it, when you're one person on Twitter in, in the middle of the country and you it's sort of a power move you go I could say this and let's see if I can get some shit started about somebody because I personally didn't like this and I'm going to make it a point I'm going to write every company and I'm going to write in because that I know, stuff does 99 get noticed 99% of the time every day it's not happening I think it, it, it in the beginning it happened a lot and then they mm. kind of you know got rid of the people that had like the, the, the button under their desk that locked the door, all of those yeah. fucking lunatics. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You get you rid, of, get the rid big, of all of those big, get the big fish out. And then now it's like, it's sort of like, okay, you have to sort of really screw up. I used to do a bit about That's, where did all the canceled people go? Are they on an Island? And I call it predator Island. <laughs> and, Arnold was the host. Welcome to Predator Island, where we hunt, uh, you know, this Harvey Weinstein over there, and we, we go to Racist Lagoon. There's Roseanne Barr and Woody, Woody Allen. What are you doing here? Run for the brambles or lay down ground fire. You know, so it was a, it was a long thing, but I started to run out of people. You're right. You know, but the also should do is they should do it almost like Survivor. 
And you can win a challenge to get back oh, yeah. into mainstream Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. It's Charlie Rose and Tom Brokaw have formed a team. He's <laughs> <laughs> an alliance. <laughs> Anything with Arnold's accent is allowed. Dog the it's bounty funny. hunter. Bounty Here comes dog. dog. He's but in you, Racist Lagoon. Racist Lagoon. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Jesse Smollett on there, too. I mean, you just put everyone Jesse. in there. But you know what I love about that joke is the word lagoon, because I know you yeah. picked that word because it's just it's funny, funny to word. hear Arnold say it. Lagoon. lagoon. Racist Lagoon. Racist Lagoon. <laughs> That's right. Yes. I and like the, that. And Hoax like. Mountain. Hoax Mountain. Jesse Smollett. On oh, hoax mountain. mountain. So it was just it's like it, it's like Disneyland. Except Escape all their- from Hoax Mountain. Yes. Dude, that that case was so bizarre that yeah. that was one of the ones I never did a joke about it because I felt like to be already on TV, mm-hmm. already making that money, already getting that level of attention. Yeah. And then you had to ha- you had like this this victim fantasy that you paid people, acted up like Unreal. there was like it's like this guy's like mentally ill, like that you that you're going to be like a, he's a TV star. He thinks yeah. he's going to do that. I mean, that's like when you watch those first 48s <laughs> and somebody's never committed a crime in their life. And then they try to get away with murder mm-hmm. and they go like to the local pub. And yeah, they're like, why? hey, who wants to kill my wife? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Within two seconds, they get within two seconds. They're talking to an undercover cop. Yeah, they're always a fucking caught. Chevy Cavalier, and they're just arrested, and their whole life is over. You I know what I'm, like- I'm learning, Bill. I'm learning that on Craigslist, there's no real hitmen anymore. It's all undercover cops. Every time I look for a real hitman, it's just an yeah. undercover guy. And I'm like, uh, is there I any real a, ones left? I have a friend of mine that. uh is a, a district attorney and he mm-hmm. was telling me how funny it was. He said, he goes, the amount of times in my, my law career, someone would come in and say, somebody broke into my house or the cops would come with the case. That's mm-hmm. right. They, they would talk to the cops. And then before he was prosecuting, they, they, they would come in and they would talk to the cops, say, I think my neighbors took my stuff. And they would be like, all right, what's his name? And they would say his name <laughs> and then they would type it into Facebook and the guy, the idiot, would be on Facebook with all the stolen shit behind him and like cash. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally convict himself. Yeah. And I said, like, what percentage of people would do that? He said, like, 15. Like, <laughs> like, like that was such a ridiculously high number. That Too would, high. Yeah. That like, wow. dude, it's your neighbor. He knows your name and you're going to put his, his stolen TV behind you. Bill, do you ever play this game with your wife? Like, if you like, say to your wife, you need if you were gonna kill me, what would you do? And if I was gonna kill you, this was what I do because I I told my wife that this is how game. I how I would do it. <laughs> well, see, I want to hear what you. But mine was that we would go for a hike and there would be a steep cliff and I'd just be like, boom, just push her really fast and then that's it. And, and now, then, would you say what? boom when you pushed her? Is that part of it too? <laughs> no. That was me as a stand up trying to kill in the room here. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we did. It's just a little inside joke. You probably, I, I'm seeing you as more just just a fantasy. If you had to kill someone, say you want to get rid of Spade because he stole some yeah. of your bits. Yeah. Slow slow poisoning is my prediction for you. Well, I learned talking to a cop one time because oh, we okay. tried. I, I was doing a podcast, and, and me and the co-host we tried to come up with the perfect murder. Mm-hmm. And we had an ex-cop on there, and he goes, "Okay, let's hear yours." I go, "Oh, all right. I love it." He's gonna troubleshoot it. So nice. I go, "All right." I go, "I go, okay." So 
me and a buddy of mine get in the car and he goes, that's it. He goes, you're caught. <laughs> and I go, what? He goes, you can't, you can't involve somebody else. The second you involve somebody else, somebody's going to get nervous. Somebody's going to go to the cops. Somebody's going to talk to Love try it. to plea their thing down. Mm-hmm. I didn't even Love get it. out of the gate. So, um, I don't know. I don't think of, you know what it is? I, I will tell you this. This is something I don't think I've ever talked about is like, I think vengeance is one of the darkest emotions that human beings have. Oh yeah. And I just, it, it scares me. I think about it sometimes, like, you know, somebody ripped me off this fucking year and I thought about doing shit, you know? And it's just like, it's just at the end of the day, it's just bad. I I don't know. So if I was going to kill David Spade, Mm -hmm. there's something about, there's something so puppyish about David Spade that like, I think I would, I think I would put him in like a bag, like kittens, you know, <laughs> and then hit me with <laughs> a put, rock. Like no, with rocks in it. Oh, and I would just throw him over and listen to meow meow as he went over the bridge. <laughs> I didn't mean this literally, but the yeah. perfect murder it's is a good subject. Out. Did the cop ever really say what he? In, in, yeah, give we, me a good one. A gun made of ice cubes or what? What did he say? A gun made of ice cubes. I think he well, should have told the cop that. That one. would melt. The weapon would melt. You know, it's kind of irresponsible. You guys want to, because I can tell you, he told us no, how to do it. Me. Oh, it's, it's irresponsible because no. people will hear it and act no on it? No one hears this. I don't know. Well, he said, basically, if you have no priors, mm-hmm. all right, if you have no prior convictions and you kill somebody, just that you're completely, not, are you writing this down? Oh, yeah. <laughs> do you oh, yeah. say you're insane? You, If you kill somebody you have no connection to whatsoever and nobody mm-hmm. sees you do it. Mm-hmm. Hard to get like caught. In, I mean, how, what what is there? There's nothing. Yeah, there's, there's nothing. But it's the but forensic stuff, though, right? The evidence, the hairs and the blood. and the No, thing. it's so many times you're filmed, Bill. Like, I see these shows sometimes and everyone's filmed everywhere. They're walking out and they're doing That's like true. this. There was a guy. They... There was a guy in the fucking valley. There was a, uh, you know, that, that that music venue, uh, the Baked Potato. Yeah. Um, famous uh, place where all these like arena level, like crazy jazz and and, 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 and and studio musicians jam at and right next to it a few blocks up is a uh, a recording studio for music and this guy thought that they ripped him off so he went down there on a sunday and he lit the place on fire not knowing there was people in there and people died from the smoke because they were in the soundproof room they mm. had the whole crime on film he pulled up uh, yep. to the mobile station Took out the gas can, filled oh, it up. Wow! Yeah, then, everything. Then they had they had the city cameras of him walking across the street with the gas can, mm, and then nice. every business up the block had him going by. Yep. And it was. <laughs> that's just like Keystone Cops. That's the problem. It's <laughs> yeah, so and, much and harder. The fact that he he killed people like that's the thing. Like that's that thing when yeah. you become like a parent. Um, yeah. Like it stops just being like a cartoon. It's like that was somebody's brother. That was somebody's yeah. sister or parent. Oh, it was it's just tragic. some dumb shit and they didn't even do it. But like that fucking idiot. And and yeah. that and it was just like the level with which that they didn't think that out. They just were like, oh, it's closed on Sundays. I'm just going to do like to not even think. Mm, um, there's some, well, yeah. I'm going to go on record and say I'm anti-murder. No, we're, we're against it. But, but I am I am fascinated by the, the subject of, of crime and also all the cameras. Uh, do you, Bill, let, wait, let me ask Bill. Why are we so many... I don't want to say women, but there's a lot of people that oh. watch just these crime shows and they're so into it. And it, and it's the biggest podcast genre. Biggest I mean, podcast by It's far. like, uh, you know, the decapitation diaries is beating you this week. I'm like, what? 
That's a whole podcast. My so, wife says that she watches them because she tries to think like what she would do in that situation, which I kind of go with, but like, I, I just can't like, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't like going to bed watching shit like that. But like, I remember uh, I used to do this bit um, when that Michael Jackson documentary came out and this guy was going, do you see that Michael Jackson documentary? <laughs> and I was like, no. And he's like, oh, he's like, you gotta see it. And it's just like, I really don't want to have my entertainment for the evening to be alleged pedophilia testimony. <laughs> like I'm sitting here eating popcorn. Testimony. And, yeah. And then, and then did he touch you a little dingling? And I'm sitting there with like, you know, <laughs> eating a hot pocket and yeah. like you getting molested as a child is oh. my entertainment. Like yeah. what can I watch tonight? I could watch Yellowstone, Breaking yeah. Bad, or you talking about getting molested or as a child. Describe yeah, I would Mr. Watch Jackson's penis. Which, by the way, I, I gotta get uh, I gotta get into Yellowstone because everybody is telling me it's just it's fucking amazing, and I love Kevin Costner, so I I, I gotta get into Costner's that. great. It's I it's do love it's Costner. pretty simple, but it's it's kind of it's you know what I call brain candy. You're out. You're the the scenery's amazing. It's it's uh, cowboys fighting each other. It's just like so easy to watch. I mean, I do sports a lot, especially now NBA is on every night. That's what's your brain candy? Would it be sports? Right to just. What what are you gonna watch to calm yourself down from your daily noise in your yeah, brain? Yeah, uh, yeah, I like watching sports and uh, I like music. And I have a uh, my garage. I soundproofed it and I I bought this beautiful set of Gretsch Broadcaster drums. And um, I just go down there and oh, you play? Just, yeah, oh, yeah, I just fucking wail on them. Rewind it back to the days of chillaxin on the beach and all day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prices could be huge. New players start playing with just five bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code FOTW to book your one way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. 21 plus. Physically present in Connecticut, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia only. Void in Ontario. Eligibility and other restrictions apply. One per opted in new customer. $5 wager required. Max. $100 in casino credits awarded, which require one time playthrough within 168 hours. See terms at casino.draftkings.com slash promos. Restrictions apply. Are you catching the big game or making big mods, going on that first date or installing that first break kit, binging that new show or watching install videos? When you're a real car lover, the choice is obvious eBay Motors has you covered with over 122 million parts to fit your number one ride or die. Brake kits, turbochargers, LED headlights, exhaust kits, bumpers, roof racks, and engines. Whether you're into the speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has all the parts you need for the ride you love. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Uh, hi, everybody. This is Dana. By the way, right now, uh, we're going to go on a long tangent, probably 
20 minutes, Bill and I and David, about his love of drumming. And he's so excited and so happy. Mm -hmm. And I loved it, but it's a little bit technical, but I hope you enjoy it or you can click off. Goodbye. Do you jam to music or just by yourself? Or does it have a, a drum track you or music you play along with? The um, if I'm having a good day, like I sit down and there's actually ideas for the first time ever. I've been playing like on and off for 30 years. And all I did, my first like 27 years of playing, all I would do was listen to a drum track and then learn how to play it. And it was someday I just finally woke up and I was thinking like, you know, if I did this same approach to stand up comedy, I'd be a joke thief. Like mm -hmm. I, I haven't I'm not playing drums. I'm doing drums. Right. And along the way, I met this great um, drum teacher, Dave Elich. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I like when I have time, I go uh, I go play drums with him and we do this thing just trading force. And it's really um, embarrassing at first and really exposes you when you actually have to come up with like your own ideas and you feel stupid. It was like a lot of like almost took me back to the beginning to learning comedy. And one of my favorite memories ever of playing drums was in the Netflix um, comedy festival. I was fortunate enough. I got to do a show at the forum. And before the forum, I did a drum lesson with my teacher in the empty forum in the round Wow. with with a, 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 I played a Vista light and he had the, 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 the bottom, the, uh, the steel kit that he had, the last kit he had before he unfortunately mm -hmm. passed away. And we just jammed in the middle trading fours. And what I loved about it was Dave has gone on tour with all these big people. So he's played drums at like, you know, the Cowboys stadium and everything, but just to do that and just have fun, dude, he had the biggest grin on his face. Like both of us were just sitting there cheesing in the middle of mm -hmm. it. And, uh, in a lot of ways, it was more fun than the show because the show, it's like I'm at work, I'm doing a job and I, there's oh, this yeah. pressure of like people have spent oh, yeah. money, they got a sitter, I have to deliver where that was like total freedom of like make it ass of yourself, fall on your face and all of that stuff. So um, are I, you, I was, is that, is that like a heavy metal set you've got? I mean, a lot of symbols, a lot of toms because. No, no, no. I, I've always been into like Steve Jordan. Uh, mm -hmm. Um, I always just loved all the all the music that he could get out of like a little like four piece kit, five yeah. piece kit. And uh, when I, you know, at first when I would listen to all the metal and all of that shit, um, I was into you know wanting a double bass kit and having all these John drums Bonham. and all of these. Yeah. And, so, well, John Bonham played Bonham. a small kit. Like I yeah. just wanted to play like one of those big, yeah, giant massive, kits. yeah, yeah. So Spinal Tap kit, right? And then. Guns N' Roses came out and Steven Adler came up and, and had a four piece kit. And if you really go back and listen to appetite for destruction mm -hmm. um, and just the amount of music and like, it's, it's very rare that there's a drummer that if you took out all the other instruments and you just played the drum track, that mm -hmm. a non-musician would know what song it was. Yeah. Because, cause it's a weird thing where like a guitarist has yeah. to play a different riff every time. But you can be a drummer and kind of play the same beat as long as you keep in time. Mm -hmm. But the creativity that he had um, with that little kit, he actually influenced everybody. If you watch, once he came out and Guns N' Roses hit, all of those guys stripped down their kits. Even the guys with the double bass, double oh, two really? double basses, they went 
to like the double pedal, except for the thrash guys. Right. Now the thrash guys, like that's like, you know, they're like, I always looked at them like, uh, you like talking about like Pantera and Slayer, that kind of shit. Yeah. They're like the outlaw bikers where it's like, you got to ride a fucking road king. So they got the, yeah. they got the big ass, you know, the 24 inch kits, three up, two down or, or four up or whatever. But, um, yeah, you have the big four of them. And then like Vinnie Paul, rest his soul, man. Like that guy, um, like just the groove that he played. Cause I, I felt like, I think once you got like double bass and all that stuff, like they, it's really hard not to overplay. Yeah. I felt like a lot of guys, you know, and it's, it's like, you're supposed to be saying something. You're not supposed to be talking to me like an auctioneer going blah, 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 like going like yeah. a zillion right. miles an hour. Less choices. Let me ask yeah. you a question about, um, you know, uh, Metallica, like so they're in their mid fifties and they have all that heavy metal and you watch Lars and stuff and they're doing it. But at some point there, there, there's a fitness aspect to that, to be able to do that for like an hour and you're mid fifties. It just seems like it's an athletic thing. They must do a lot to keep their calves in shape, uh, you know, for the Cardio. drumming. No, it's, 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 if, if your technique, if your technique, you do it so you, without if, trying that hard, in a way, right? You're so well. Light if you watch it. like Buddy Rich, Joe, I watched Morello. him last night. I watch his okay. solos all the time. Yeah, Dana him, plays, and, and I know he plays. He's a great drummer. Uh, Joe Morello, um, yeah. These guys, the way they they play, Dave Brubeck. Because I'm going yeah. back to the classic guys. It's so light, um, <laughs> but their technique was flawless. So the sticks are going a million miles an hour, but their forearms, nothing's tight. Yeah. Everything's loose. Uh, Steven Adler plays loose. Like if you play like loose mm -hmm. and you understand breathing and all of that, that Dave Elitch has this, I mean, to be his agent, man, he's got this whole great thing on, on about like when I started playing drums with him, it was nothing about drumming. It was all about how I was sitting, the way I was breathing, if I was holding tension in my jaw or yeah. anything like he's like all of that affects what you're what you're playing so like those guys that play super super fast those like some of those guys mm -hmm. like the guy uh um uh thomas uh, hockey i think is how you say his name the guy from um from um uh, mm -hmm. they got a song called bleed that's sort of like i think for this century is sort of like the uh the the, the the sort of like i would think like back in the day Remember, there was always a guy like who played guitars like, dude, that, there's a guy two towns over that can play Eruption. You know what I mean? This is like <laughs> yeah. this, two this, towns this is, over. This, like, yeah, so, yeah, there's always this guy that, you know, yeah. nobody could produce. That yeah. Could, dude, he, he sounds be... just like him. Mm -hmm. um, he has a thing, um, this song called Bleed. And, it, and it's 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 just it's just one. It's it's a polyrhythmic thing. Danny, you got to listen to it. Like, uh, what's his name? Of, I'll, I'll YouTube it tonight. So uh, Meshuggah and it's called Bleed. And okay. I, if you ever get a fucking chance to see that band live, <laughs> like the level of musicianship that is going on is like, uh, <laughs> I don't even know. And it still grooves, though, because yeah. it's not one of those um difficult for difficult sake it's there's mm -hmm. a purpose behind what they're doing so it's like it's rooted in the ground and even the first time you see them like you you know that they're special and even if you it because they they my ears took me years to catch up to what they were doing just mm -hmm. as far as like what i was listening to and um i think they recently just came around but i got tinnitus in this ear and it was really acting up and i just couldn't 
go see anything loud. I had to kind of like wow. lay off it for a minute. Well, I love hearing you talk about this. It's so cool. I know. It gets Just, excited. Uh, you I'm know, jealous. Because we know you as a comedian, but your passion around this is like, you know, it's like, whoa. It's fun to have something else you're And I, I love it too. I I've, I did some jamming in high school in my 20s and 30s with a little band and stuff. It's so much fun. Much better than comedy. <laughs> it's just a It is. You know what I like about it? I like the, like, I always wish I had that experience of like a band having to win over a crowd. Like I've done mm -hmm. that as a comedian and it makes you feel good. It makes you feel strong, but it's a, it's a solitary thing. Yeah. Like I would just think if you got up there and the crowd was like booing you or whatever, and the guitarist just gave you a look almost like, like a quarterback mm -hmm. just kind of gives a wide receiver a look. And the guy knows that whatever I said in the huddle, fuck that, just take off. I'm going to throw you one. Mm -hmm. Like to have a guitarist look at you like that. And then, and you know that you guys are locked in, like fuck these guys. And you, and you yeah. win them over like that sort of like, you know, almost like a, a, like a band of brothers, like a military thing. I, I just think like that experience. I remember seeing that like uh, well, one of ACDC's drummers. It wasn't Phil Rudd. I think it was Simon Wright. They were asking, what's it like playing those songs every night? He goes, you know, sometimes you get tired, but, you know, he goes, Angus just gives you a look. Yeah, and fun. it's just like, all right, man, Angus gave me the look like I'm not going to like I just I, I get like. Uh, can't explain it, man. When I read stories like that, I I, I think it might it's be so the exciting. sports background. I, yeah, I get like amped up. Like yeah. I want to have a good well, show or something like that. I I was in New York doing a benefit, long story, but I ended up playing with, uh, it was Lou Reed and it was Take a Walk on the Wild Side. And it was an all comedy band, but I was the drummer and I wow. didn't have a monitor and I was just trying to get the groove. I didn't have a monitor. And then after the rehearsal, Lou Reed looks at me. He was kind of an intimidating guy. He goes, he goes, don't do that. Whatever you're doing, don't do that. I, I go, whoa. Lou, I go, Lou, I can't hear myself. But they did get a little monitor for me. And I wrote, uh, oh, yeah. You know, it's not a hard beat, but if you can't hear it, you want to be what right. What did in he it. think you were doing, trying to throw it? Or I, I, I just don't, I, I think I was slightly off time because I, you know, I couldn't oh, hear. You, you need that. That's the worst. Yeah. Then what I do is I just, I just look at whoever's out in front of me. I yeah. just look where they're tapping their foot. Yeah, Dude, it's that's... like you're underwater. You can't even hear what they're doing. And then you're just kind of like, Mm -hmm. well, I, once I lock into like, I'm just usually the bass player is who I'll end up looking at. Yes. And hopefully they're out front enough where I can see their leg. And hopefully somebody turns around. You're like, dude, I can't hear you guys. <laughs> wow. You can't hear Ringo, from behind. It. Ringo no said he would that. just watch Paul McCartney's ass because Paul would kind of wiggle it. He said, and that was his way of keeping time. Yeah. He, for could, his he, head. Could, he couldn't hear yeah. anything. They had no monitors. And anyway, wow. Shit. That's so cool. I love I love that. Hey, let's do this thing where we say we're going to get together and have dinner. Yeah. And, that, and then it won't happen. <laughs> no. Why I'm don't we game. get together and jam? You play like every instrument, don't you, Dana? Very rudimentarily. I mean, I don't have a drum set down here. It's up in the garage in Marin County. So I, I drum on my laptop all the time. And I'm drum I, I play acoustic guitar and I'm drumming with my right hand, basically. So I And I have a keyboard. I'm very rudimentary, but I do love it. So. I have a good, uh, a, a, a fun uh, triplet workout to do that. It helps your bass drum speed mm -hmm. and also helps you to kind of go around the kit and get more comfortable with well, that. Well, you I kept can, going. I, do, I mean, do, you do, seem do, like do, you're do, great, do, but you do, could probably do. use just a good blues bass player just to kind of, just some someone to play with you. You know. No, listen, I'm good for a father of two. <laughs> 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 that's about as good as i am as but dad as, uh, dad's playing the drums in the garage is pretty hip for a kid but as, you like zeppelin you like acd i saw acdc at your precious foxborough it's 
great. Ramstein. Yeah. Ramstein's very entertaining. The German heavy metal band. I don't. I haven't seen them. I like. Uh, oh, Dana. Yeah, I like. I, I always forget his name, but the drummer. Um, <laughs> James Gadsden, is that his name? Who's the guy, the, the drummer for Bill Withers is another guy uh, oh, that, that I, I love. Withers, wow. Um, that swing. Yeah, I feel like I have like a, like, it goes like, and then, you know, I've been going to the gym and, and if this one guy is, is at the front desk, because whoever's at the front desk controls the music, mm-hmm. he's been playing a lot of like Cardi B and hip hop and stuff and like, the the yeah. the drum the drum tracks yeah are so much fun to like I was I just listened to them like I wish I had that on a loop and I could just play fills over it and and just sort of do those on like a loop yeah. or something like that um, I basically do comedy so I can afford to buy drums yeah <laughs> wow that's fun. a huge statement. It's uh, so fun to have something to like look forward to and think and then you get money and you when you meet bands you love maybe to talk to their drummer or maybe to talk to the band. And then you also, they might know you now, which is it. You know, has really a, you know, as a killer fucking drummer and I, I'm going to space on his name. Cause I'm old. It's a band, uh, 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 uh Russian circles. That's mm-hmm. an absolute oh. beast of a drummer. And he, uh, this, there's some, I, I, somebody sent me a clip of him and it was, what I loved was his, uh, his use of dynamics, which I feel like, in all facets of life with how loud you have to be to get attention now. Yeah. Um, I just feel like dynamics is kind of, is like a lost art. And it was Definitely. another thing where he had this little kit and the amount of music he was getting out of this thing was insane. Um, John Theodore is another guy that I love all the way back with Mars Volta right through. Yeah. Um, all the stuff that he's doing well, in now the end of the day, Queens. I tell people it's kind of the kick drum, the snare and the hi-hat. I mean, there's a lot more to it, but if you can master that and all the machinations of that cozy pal was a big one from the seventies and he was Mr. Hi-hat, you know, doing all this hi-hat work. I gotta, incredible. I gotta give the, I, where the fuck is my phone? There's, there's these, these, these kids that I listen to <laughs> yeah. on, on, yeah. uh, on, on the Instagram there. I don't have my damn phone. Where the hell is it? Oh, well, Oh, I'm on my phone. Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> old dad, old dad, right here. Yeah, uh, too many inputs. That, yeah, yeah. There's these guys that I listen to. Um, so Ringo or or Charlie Watts? That would that would be a question for me and Bobby Slate would hash that one out. Oh, for or, me, that's not it's not a question. I, I go I go Ringo. Okay, okay. Me Ringo too. Ringo or Bonham. Um, uh, two the, different animals, two different that's worlds, like, the best in one world and the best in the other world. Yeah. yeah that's like zebra or mongoose. <laughs> mongoose. <laughs> I mean, that's just, I oh, think Ringo, at- cause we had Paul on our, our <laughs> podcast and you know, we talked about just, just car stereos and remastering some of the Beatles stuff. So you really heard the bass and you heard Ringo's kick drum. And you mm-hmm. heard how they syncopated together, and it's really fun. And that was not around in the '60s on a transistor radio, and the way they had to mix them in mono, they couldn't have that heavy, heavy bottom in there. So he became. I think Bonham is know. one of the more one of the more uh, misunderstood drummers out there. How is he misunderstood? Because he's kind of number one with the, most people, you know. Because when people are, because his sound was so big, yeah. your eyes lie to you when you watch him. When you watch him play, it's mm-hmm. so big. Your your brain tells you he's he's doing this, and yeah. he isn't. Yeah, he's yeah, all yeah. he's all yeah. like wrists and fingers. 
he just knew how to hit a drum and get out of the way. And then on top of that, had this gift for dynamics and sound and all of that stuff. But like, Oh yeah. Um, well, that was like when, I, when I was, yeah. when I was growing up, like, like the, the, all the drummers are saying like, yeah, dude, bottom uses stick was like tree trunks. They were like two bees, oh. you know, and it's just like, what just like, basically, like, I don't know, like those yeah. giant ones. Right. They thought it was and all what, just strength. Yeah. Yeah. And then you watched it. And now I'm looking at it going, I think he plays with like a five, a, which is like a, a number two pencil, a light little stick. Well, the yeah, value he, of his drum, who set up those drums? Because his kick drum and snare, that relationship is like nothing I've ever heard anyone get. And it's so potent. And I, you're right. I think there's a lot of muscularity just built into that that you don't have to pound. There's that uh, Oakletree guy. He does a whole thing on how he used to tune up his drums. But Bonham yeah. had a, a big uh, part in that. Like he wasn't just mm -hmm. one of those, hey, tune up my drums and I'll sit down and yeah. play them. Yeah. Like he had, he had a tw that 26-inch kit kick and he all he would have he had nothing in it mm -hmm. and there was just like a piece of felt either on the batter side or 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 the mm -hmm. or the uh what the resonant side yeah um and and he just knew how to hit it and push all that air but um that was another thing too was everybody thought you had to get all these big drums to sound big but like they didn't know how to mic drums when he came up and right. the amps just kept getting bigger and bigger so the drums got bigger mm -hmm. so you could be heard um and then you know by the end of it, you, you, like, like I, I kind of, you know, what's funny is I actually bought the green sparkle John Bonham drum kit at one point. Yeah. I actually owned one of those <laughs> wow. with the big 26 inch kit. And it was really difficult for me to play. <laughs> like going from the rack to the floor, Tom, it was like, a, like skipping a, a subway mile. stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I finally dawned on me. I was just like, this kit worked for him. I'm not him. So I sold the whole thing. And uh, that's when I got the Gretsch Broadcaster. I got a little 22-inch kit. And uh, I I like them low. Love. I, I like low drums close to each other and yeah. tilted in a way that it's all right there rather than reaching all the time. That's a whole other skill set when you're out there all the but time. But, Bill, when you see guys, yeah. like a lot of guys put their hair into it so you don't know how hard they're hitting, like Grohl <laughs> or Taylor Hawkins. It was like, wham. And it looks so hard, but you don't know. Is it more head movement or is it more really uh, wailing dude, on Dave Grohl, I'll tell you, underrated it, it is, is his work with uh, Killing Joke. And there's a song called The Death and Resurrection Show where he plays, and he's playing 16ths on the hi-hat, which so you, really you convinced fast. it's yeah. two hands. But like I had a buddy of mine, you know, better ears than mine. He goes, no, dude, that's one hand. I'm like, what the fuck? And it yeah, is just... The perfect, sickest beat. And I'm killing myself that I, I never, when he was playing with, uh, he took a break from Foo Fighters and he went on tour with Queens of the Stone Age. There's a great, um, they just, of course, they're never on the fucking drummer when he's playing. Even when he's playing a goddamn solo, they're no. still fucking going out to the crowd. So they, had, they have a song called <laughs> The Song for the Death. Mm -hmm. And um, Grohl plays like this, just perfect perfect solo in the beginning of it and it's just that you know this space this power it just like if, if you watch that solo and you don't want to learn how to play drums this you're not alive hey. so mm -hmm. um there's this great clip of him playing that and um i got to see him play when they were in um i saw him at the wiltern when they were in um them crooked vultures mm -hmm. which was john paul jones from led zeppelin dave Grohl, and josh homie from queens of the stone age and then they had this hired gun 
the sort of through the Malcolm rhythm guitar when they went mm -hmm. out on tour. And oh my God, that, that was one of the, I remember after their first song, my wife looked over at me and she's like, she was like, that guy's really good on drums. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that guy's, yeah. I think that guy might have a future. Yeah. Um, he's, just the stuff he did with Nirvana, just beginning there was so perfect. You know, he's music. Yeah, and I also thought when, when I, I was a fan of his, but when I really became a fan was when they did unplugged and he had to bring that all down, but still yeah. drive the song. And he did it so effortlessly. When I watched it, I was just like, Oh wow, this guy is uh so I got to be honest with you, as much as I like the Foo Fighters, I actually don't like them because it, it took play. one of my it, it took one of my favorite drummers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I love the Foo Fighters. and I have like, sure. you know, fucking mm -hmm. 10 of their albums. But like there's a part of me like going like, fuck, I wish this band was a little less successful so I could watch them play <laughs> drums a little yeah. bit more. Well, nice. Bill, wow. let's uh, let's let Bill go. He's been a fucking stud. Thank so you, buddy. So much fun. So much fun. Really yeah. fascinating. All right. Well, look at that. that. Who would have thought? Huh? We went from comedy to like being old dads at Guitar Center. Uh, I <laughs> I'll talk about music anytime. We have a lot of. Yeah. Like, I love it. All right. Anyway. Well, let's do the obligatory. We're all going to get dinner. Let's let's and then do it'll it. It'll be just me and Bill, but I will tell Dana after that we went. And let's do the awkward sign off where it's a little kind of oh. And we all you, lean in and look. It says for how leave, to, and you yeah. see the other person still on, and it's all awkward. Or I hear the you two guys start the talk, and I'm like, did I just hang up on you? Yeah, yeah. We'll do, that. do that. Let's do that. Right. Well, I miss you, Bill, and uh, I like you more than Dana does. Anyway, I got to go. Okay, I'll talk to you. All right, fellow I drummer. I, I felt I connected more with Dana. I'm sorry, Dave. It's over between you and me. Bye. Hey, what's up, flies? What's up, fleas? What's up, people that listen? We want to hear from you and your dumb questions. Questions, ask us anything. Anything you want. You can email us at flyonthewall at cadence13.com. Okay, so we have a question from Tina Palmer. Thank you for the question, Tina. Let's read it. I absolutely love your podcast. It's the only one I listen to on a regular basis. Thank you. It's so fun and always makes me smile. I like when they put more overstuff, more comments at the beginning. Well, I wanna- It's a good the, way to get it picked though. I have to say that we don't see these ahead of time. This is our producer, Greg Holtzman, who- who picks them, but it does seem a little self-congratulatory. Hey, David, I just found a, a letter from one of our fans <laughs> asking a question. I absolutely love your podcast. It's the, I don't know why I like this one. I only listen to it on, I, I'm the, it's the only one I listen to yeah. on a regular basis. It's so fun and always makes me smile. Okay. You know, we need a compliments hotline. Yeah, because I'm down a lot. <laughs> okay, go ahead. All right, so here's the question for you. SNL has had so many amazing commercial parodies over the years. Mm. Which ones were your favorites? My all-time favorite, Schmidt's Gay. Uh, Adam and Chris were hilarious. I remember mm. that one. I remember that, that one. That's great. Uh, that's there. Couldn't do it today. There. First of all, a quick story. Schmidt's Gay, I think I was in for about a couple days and then they switched. I it. was looking through some commercial parodies this morning. You were in a lot of them. Yeah. I did, um, I think Smigel wrote Schmitz Gay and I think he switched it from me and Farley to Adam and Farley. And I was like, oh, cause it was, I knew it was so funny and they put that Van Halen music in. That mm -hmm. was such a funny commercial. There's so many good ones. Mm -hmm. uh, Colin Blow. Colin Blow, Phil Hartman, Phil Hartman I think Al Franken wrote that. Was uh, just something that st stood out. Really, minds. people talked about that for a while. Uh, um, the bad idea jeans was one that I still hear about. I didn't write you it. You were in that one. Yeah, I was right? in that yeah, one. Yeah, that was funny. I saw Great. that. 
Um, mom jeans. Mom jeans are always funny. Mom jeans was it Tina Fey? Uh, it was Tina, Maya, yeah. Amy, Rachel. Just mom jeans, sort of high waisted mm -hmm. and puffy, <laughs> kind of like giving off the vibe of business is closed here. Yeah, we you know there's three legged jeans, leg and a leg, leg three at last. Wait, uh, by the way, the songs they come up with are so funny. Mm -hmm. Everything about those. What about the car that? Looks crappy, so you could a, a, a luxury car you could drive into a bad neighborhood because the outside <laughs> looks shitty. Uh, There's so all about the car you can fuck. Remember that one? <laughs> and uh, it's so beautiful. And God, I can't think of. There's so many. There's Lovitz did one with Phil and others where it was a trap door in Neyland. Just a business guy who had a malfunctioning trap door. So sometimes you'd go in it and you had to climb out or it would launch you, you know. Just well, too, because I was, you know, early on you write a lot of commercial parodies because it's a good way to get on the show. It's sort of a backdoor. Mm -hmm. uh, the two I wrote I liked were there was Salon, the Vidal Sassoon shampoo. Uh, Did that get made? That got made. That was okay. on um, Hibernol. What was the premise of Salon? Salon finish, Salon shine. It was the guy in the commercial saying, Salon, if you say it right, it makes your hair better. Um, <laughs> Salon. Salon. Okay. Um, and then like there it. was uh, oh, Hibernol. Yeah, it was like a... It was like a NyQuil commercial with Farley where he, if you want to sleep through all of cold and flu season, you sleep for four months. And Farley wakes up, who won the Super Bowl? <laughs> but he's got a beard now and nails. Mm -hmm. And he was mad because I was on the set. And he's like, do I have to put all these fucking nails? I'm like, oh, relax. It's, you're going to be here eight hours anyway. <laughs> uh, so they put a wig on him. Julia Sweeney was in nice. it. Um, mm -hmm. And then... Oh, Chia Head, I wrote. That was one of the first things I wrote. Oh, yeah? That was a, that, I remember that one. And you know, yeah. that was a, one of the ones that turned into a real product about 10 years later. They made Chia Head. And I was like, exact same box, everything. But it was like you put oh, so President Obama and you put the seeds on and then- And then Chia Head. Yeah. Looks oh, like. so they took that idea? I, I mean, I don't mm. know, I guess. Uh, but, but yeah, I think those, they used to do specials. You know, they'd have a- Commercial parody special on primetime. The and driest one that Jim Downey wrote oh. was called Change Bank. Mm -hmm. It's so droll and so dry. It's just them saying how they could, all they do is make change for you. Yeah. One of these days we'll put clips up. I mean, yeah. you can look them up, all these ones are saying, but all on. we got to get some clips in here because it's yeah. hysterical. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you for that question. Thank you. And thank you for the compliments because yeah. we really we need, need them. them. <laughs> we're hanging by a thread here. We don't know if we're going to get canceled. This has been a podcast presentation of Cadence 13. Please listen, then rate, review, and follow all episodes. Available now for free wherever you get your podcast. No joke, folks. Fly on the Wall has been a presentation of Cadence 13. Executive produced by Dana Carvey and David Spade, Chris Corcoran of Cadence 13, and Charlie Finan of Brillstein Entertainment. The show's lead producer is Greg Holtzman with production and engineering support from Serena Regan and Chris Basil of Cadence 13. 